This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 KYNO. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors. And the goal that we have is to give our listeners the real facts and the real stats about our local market. Uh, and the reason it's the most informative one, it's not because of me, it's because of the 4,000 members of our association that are weekly guests. And we're bringing back an expert in a niche market of real estate, and that's Mr. Ron Stumpf. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Don. All right, our, our ratings have recovered since the last time you were on, so you're back again. All right. Now, I, I did scare you a little bit. I said, you know, in the bio, I was going to do something, and I didn't tell you what it is, but here's what it is. I have fi- uh, First of all, realtors have to give your DRE, Department of Real Estate, license number uh, in anything. So most people have it on their email uh, signature thing, as you do. I notice that you are one of the very, very, very few people that have a lower number than I have. (laughs) (laughs) I think that means we both have been in it a while. Yes, yes. So it's, let's see, it is an eight-digit number, um, and nowadays you see some that start with 1089 as the first four. Yours is, well, mine is 0055 is the first four. Mm -hmm. Yours is 0053. Yeah. yeah. When did you get your license? 1977 it was. And what was interesting about it was it was uh, I didn't even think I was even going to get a real estate license. Actually, it was a broker's license because I had a, I had at least a four-year college degree. And then I also I took all these classes at uh, City College, in fact, so I could then there was a, you know, I want to know more about real estate. And all of a sudden, I started talking to some of these people. I said, oh, we're going to take our broker's test. I said, what? What do you have to do? They said, this, this, and this. I said, I think I qualify. So I ended up actually filling out an application, sending it to Department of Real Estate. About a week later, they sent me back saying, your test date is such and such. And it was like 30 days from now. I'm saying, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I, I just studied every night. Went to, uh, well, way back when it was Anthony Schools like so many of us did. I did too. Yes, and in turn, I just would go to, for, go to work, get off of work at five, go there until they closed, and start studying, 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 and studying five days a week. And then all of a sudden, I took the test, and naturally, when you take the test, you usually say, oh, God, I failed. I failed so badly. I was even going to go back, and I said, eh, I guess I'll wait to see what the results was. And it comes in. Of course, in those days, it was mail that you got it in the mail, and says, You've passed. I go, what? I passed. I couldn't believe it. I oh, thought, no, wow. Now you got to start working. Yeah, now I said, now I got to learn about more about real estate. <laughs> yeah. And you've learned so much that you actually teach classes now. I have taught it only since 1981 called so, Making Money in Real Estate. All That's right. through Clovis Adult School. Yes. And I'm going to get more into that in a little bit, but mm-hmm. to. I told everybody that you had a special niche in in this real estate market here, and 
I'll say that that's investment real estate. Um, and that would be all the way from duplexes to apartments to businesses. And um, that's kind of your specialty, is that right? Right. You know, of course, also, um, I closed escrow, in fact, yesterday on a, on a office building, medical building. Uh, so do a lot of commercial properties um, and then also leasing. Uh, you do of, of various properties like that. Um, of course, apartments also sell them. We don't manage them, though. We don't manage any properties except for my own properties. Yeah, that's another niche altogether is property management. Yes. Uh, and both of us are licensed to where we could do that, mm -hmm. but um, both of us are the same. It's like, nah, we'll let someone else do, do that one. Well, so. Don's an expert in and homes, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, myself, I, the only time I ever sell a home is for a client that I, is a good client of ours and says, hey, you've done a great job on my business, uh, my real estate, that holdings, that type of thing. I want you to sell my house, and we'll do it then. But we don't go out. You won't see our uh, cards going out in the mail stating, you know, we want to list your house or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. So... Let's get into investment real estate. How would you describe that? How wide is that? Boy, investment real estate could be all sorts of terms. Uh, you could have just a single family home that you rent out. Uh, it could be land. Uh, it could be, of course, uh, apartments. Uh, it could be an office building. It could be industrial building. Um, mini storage, which I sold last year, the last day of the year in North Fork, in fact, uh, could be all sorts of different things. So how can land be an investment uh, parcel uh, when it really doesn't have income? Or uh, if it's just bare land, it's, I take it just speculation. Well, a uh, good example, okay? Yeah. I was born in Fresno. My family's been in Fresno since the 1800s, okay? So what happened is, is I would say, what's interesting about it is, is that I remember driving down Blackstone, north of Herndon, and this was back in the 70s or so. And you'd get a little bit further north of Herndon and all you would see is open land. You'd see maybe cows there, you know, things like that. You know, well, back then even, that land was already bought and eventually going to be developed. So in the meantime, yes, it, they have to pay taxes on it, derives very little income, if any. You know, you could grow crops, I guess you could, that type of thing, but that's about it. But then later on, what happens? Well, these guys, these fellows that own that property, developed a shopping center called, called River Park. And, of course, back when, when... Um, the theater, theater first started, that chain of theaters, that was the highest grossing theater in the United States at that time. Wow. What, what year did they build River Park, or about what year? <sighs> it would have been in the 90s, as I recall, I think. Mm -hmm. That sounds Something about like right. That. Because I remember in the 70s, my professor at Fresno City College telling us to uh, uh, go out into the country somewhere and sit there with a pad of paper uh, and pen and write down every 
bit of any creature you see, whether it be an ant or a fox or whatever. So I went out into the country, found a place with some little rolling knolls and that and sat there for an hour and did that project. Anyway, that is where River Park is today. Mm, Okay, interesting. So here just a few years ago, that that was out in the country. Wow, yes, that's right. So somebody could have bought that land, dirt cheap, excuse the pun, intentional pun. Which they did. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Hold it for a while, and, and hey, then the city grows out that way. And you could either then sell it. I, I have uh, one friend of mine from high school, he and his uh, father for many years did this. They would secure the land. They would then end up uh, even doing the plans, maybe. Maybe even do some leasing. And before it would break ground, like a shopping center or so, they'd sell it to somebody else. They went through the zoning process, went through all the governmental agencies, that type of thing, all the way down to shoveling the first piece of dirt and they sell it and that's another way of making money and investment Mm -hmm. and not even owning the property when it's developed so there's a lot of different things you could do i could see doing that because by getting the plans and getting it all approved one that's the headache part of it um but it also shows that yes this can be developed it's you're not just selling speculation you're selling a project yes all right. How about um, so land is one way, but that's speculative. Um, well, the interest not necessarily speculative. It depends. As long as you go by the you feel the way the growth of the city is going, uh, you're going to find out that no matter what piece of property you buy, whether it's a house or whatever, uh, typically what happens is is it goes up in value. Good example, how I ever even thought about real estate was after my first year at college in Cal Poly, I ended up buying a house in San Luis Obispo. And I lived there, and of course it was a, I couldn't afford very much, believe it or not, it was 9,500 bucks I paid for the house. Back oh then. my gosh. And that was 1971, okay? When I got through college, it was 1975. Now meantime, it was a junker, you know? Motivated seller, didn't know he was a motivated seller, but he was. And I ended up selling it for 25000 Thought I thought, boy, what? I, made for, I paid enough for my college education just from this house. Okay. Mm-hmm. So anyway, what happened was, is I ended up then in turn, uh, thought I gotta learn more about this real estate. Moved back to Fresno, and that's when I started classes at City College to take to learn more about real estate, okay? Just to let you know, three years ago, that house sold again. Okay, now it'd been added on, remodeled, that type of thing through the years. A million three. So from what did it start? $9,500 to twenty five dollars And also another thing, I sold that house in 1975. It was interesting. Heaven forbid, I sold it myself. I didn't have a realtor. I don't want to say that, but I did. <laughs> anyway, so I, hap- I didn't know what I was doing, of course, either, mm-hmm. which they do. But anyway, I sold it for 25000 and lo and behold, what happened was I would get these people coming there, and they'd be old people, younger than us now, but old people to me in those days, okay? And they would say, 
how and I figured out what the payment was going to be. By the way, interest rates at that time were nine and a half percent, believe it or not. Okay, and I figured out that it was going to be one hundred eighty-six dollars a month payment. Okay, and I said, uh, I, you know, I said, a young older couple said, how can a young couple afford one hundred eighty-six dollar a month payment nowadays? Yeah, <laughs> to give you an idea. So that's how it's changed, and that's how it, you know, it's a good hedge against it, inflation. Plain that, and simple as that. And we'll end on that one for right now as far for before we go to our commercial break. It is a in real estate investment. Real estate is a hedge against inflation proof right there. Just was that 40, 50 years ago. It was ninety five hundred now one point three million. So with that, we're going to our first commercial break. But stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio. Thank you. Where were you when the world stopped turning on that September day? Were you in the yard with your wife and children working on some stage? Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And here it is, September the 11th, 20 years after that fateful day. Let's all remember that. And um, my, how things have really changed in our real estate world since then. And I'm going to even attribute some of that change to the events of September 11th, 2001. And we'll get into that. Um, Ron Stumpf is here visiting with us and sharing his knowledge. Um, and you have extensive knowledge on multiple units. So apartments, um, duplexes, and, and I'm going to throw this one out there. It seems like there's not a lot of duplexes and tri and fourplexes in the Fresno County area. Um, And if you do find them, they're usually in older neighborhoods, like let's say the Mayfair district. Why is that? Well, back then that was a growing area in the 50s. And uh, really almost all those uh, apartments over there were built in 1951, 52, 53, 54, around there. And so, uh, yeah, duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes are very prevalent in that area. I've sold a lot of them through the years in that area, in fact. Many times over sometimes. You don't see them, you don't see very many being built anymore. It's not very economically feasible because it costs so much more to build them than what you can rent them for at this time. Uh, and that's the biggest problem. That's why they're building bigger complexes because it's a lot less expensive. It's like even like homes. A custom home costs you more than a tract home. Mm-hmm. And that's because they're building in volume, getting prices of lumber cheaper, et cetera, et cetera, concrete, things like that even. Interesting you say that, that the, that the rents don't make it affordable or, or, or feasible to build. That's the same thing last week's guest said, Robin Kane, mm-hmm. is that the rents have been so low for so long that it didn't pencil out. So, all right. So, yeah, you don't see very many out there on the books. It's mainly your bigger places, which, by the way, there are some huge and very nice luxury apartments going in to yes. Fresno County. Um I always thought Fresno County was the the poor county, and we that uh, the economy wouldn't provide for that. 
But here, builders are building luxury apartment complexes. So I guess we can't afford it. Well, in volume, it helps quite a bit. Quantity okay. volume. Okay. Yes. Um, is there a rule of thumb for valuing? Uh, um, let's say I'm going to go to a fourplex. Mm -hmm. Be because, it, and here's the thing, with a f two to four units, you can still get owner-occupied financing through FHA, conventional sources, and get some very attractive long-term interest rates. So it would seem that would make sense to buy one now. Heck, if you could get a 2.5% FHA rate out there for a 30-year fixed, that sounds good. Yes, it does, of course. You know, if uh, getting back to even the interest rate, shall we say, okay? Mm-hmm. Don, you, you and I both can say, when did we ever have sell property at that percent? Never. Right. Before. Yes, that's true. You know, I'm going to tell you something also that's kind of interesting, too. And, and this is it. I always ask my students this. Name one thing you can think of that you can buy cheaper today than you could the year that I was born in 1951. You know? And they throw out stuff that go, nah, nah, nah. Computers. No, there weren't computers then, you know, <laughs> yeah. type of thing. Anyway, you know, but basically what it is is the cost of money is the cheapest it's ever been. This is time to borrow. I remember when my parents bought a home in 1963, and they got a 4% VA loan. And it's like, wow, 4%. It'll never be that again. Then when I bought my first home, it was at 12%. And it's like, it'll never be single digit again. And here we are pushing zero. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So, so it's not so great if you've got money in the bank. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a double-edged sword there. Right. So how does interest rates affect the investment in, in real estate? Well, frankly, I must admit, uh, because of it, uh, they've increased the value of the property, just like it has with homes, too, for that matter. Mm. In, in other words, uh, they pencil out better uh, because of the lower interest. Uh, frankly, I must admit, it's, it's, it's quite interesting. One thing I, I also want to bring into effect here, too, even when you're selling a duplex, triplex, or fourplex, I'd be, you'd be surprised, you know, like with your homes, there's a lot of people moving from the Bay Area, Southern California, because it's a lot less expensive here. Well, lo and behold, same thing with apartments. So a lot of the home, a lot of apartments that are being sold right now are FHA, VA, that type of thing, because the person's going to move in, move into one of the units, and rent out to two or three other ones or so, and in turn, um, it's going to help you with your mortgage payment, your taxes, your insurance, and everything else. So earlier, we talked about that little phenomena that there's not very much new construction for duplexes, fourplexes, and such because our, our rents weren't, were low enough to where it did not support that. Would that be the case, too, in cities like San Francisco? Because it seems like there's more multi-units there. Well, yeah, but they're, you know, San Francisco, you can, some of them are, built in 18 something such, such you know and they're pretty old most of them in san francisco but you don't i don't really call that many duplexes or triplexes being built up in there really mm -hmm. but you know as an example and 
I want to tell you about this. I did a little research. And, of course, San Francisco is the highest cost to have a rental apartment. To, to you know, If you're going to live in an apartment, as an example, a two-bedroom, uh, according to right now, the average is $3,668 a month. Wow. Meaning you have to have an income of over $157,000 a year just to rent that two-bedroom apartment. What's that income again? A hundred what? Hundred fifty-seven thousand. Just to be a renter for a two-bedroom place right. in San Francisco. Exactly. Wow. One bedroom is two thousand seven hundred fifty-six per month, average. Mm-hmm. Amazing. No wonder people are moving. Yes. To, to the valley. You know, it's also, and I'm going to switch over to another thing. Is I we sell a lot of businesses, and almost nobody sells businesses except us nowadays because it's high liability for real estate people. Mm-hmm. You know? Anyway, so what happens is is we're mostly selling businesses to people from San Jose, San Francisco, LA, those areas. And why they are is because, guess what? If you have a McDonald's as an example, okay? How much does a McDonald's burger cost in San Francisco? I don't know, but I mean, it's about the same as it is in Fresno. Mm-hmm. But your rent is so much cheaper. Your overhead is so much cheaper. Everything's so much cheaper. So you get more of a profit. So that's why a lot of people, are, even when restaurants were closed, we were selling restaurants at the time. So yeah. Okay, and that makes sense. Yeah. So um, I could tell you how much that hamburger costs at McDonald's because uh, I go there. <laughs> it's a do- if well, I always shop off the dollar menu though. No, oh, okay, so that's fine. Dollar. Nothing wrong uh, with that. All right. By the way, I'll tell you one other thing real quick. I haven't had a hamburger since 1999. That's why you look so fit. I guess so. I don't know what it is. But anyway. <laughs> All right. Um, so that's interesting about uh, you said that you're one of the few that sells businesses. And uh, a business is not doesn't necessarily have real estate involved. It can. Mm-hmm. So, for example... Um, I guess you can sell a business only, let's say a restaurant, right. who leases the building. Correct. Funny that you would have, need a real estate license for that, but I could see where that's certainly a niche. Well, basically what it is, is, and a lot of people don't realize that, um, it's not just selling a business. It's also being able to convince the landlord to take the new tenant. Ah, and so that's a real hassle sometimes. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised what I have to go through to convince the landlord to go ahead and let us sell the business and this new tenant be the, the tenant, shall we say. And do they have the, does the property owner, the landlord have the right to say no? Of course. Just like he has the right to say no to a, a potential renter of an apartment. Okay. Yeah. So the new per- person has to qualify. Yes. And I, I would think for a restaurant, they'd want to know, uh, or any business, what kind of experience do they have? Is there a likelihood of success? Yes, exactly. Some of them will even require a um, a, a plan on how you're going to manage the property, uh, manage the business, rather, and everything like that. And if that sounds unfair, it, it really goes throughout the lending and, and the uh, leasing industry. I know if you're um, applying for a home loan, 
they want to know that you have a history of that income that you have, and they want to know that it, there's a good potential for continued income. So, for example, if somebody's been selling cars for, um, for a living, excuse me, I'm going to go the other way around. They've been an electrician for 10 years. Now that they start off selling cars um, or real estate, there's no history there. So a lender can say, no, we're, we're not going to lend to you. A lot of lenders say that. Yeah. yeah. In fact, we quiz the people ahead of time about that because we don't want to waste our time or their time if it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another reason. Another problem, too, I'm going to mention, say for you're in a shopping center and you want to sell hamburgers as an example well guess what maybe there's another hamburger place already and they have exclusive exclusivity for that shopping center you can't sell hamburgers Hmm. so even even way back when my first warehouse complex i developed in the when i bought the land they made me sign an agreement that i would never sell hamburgers even though it was an industrial building i was going to put there because McDonald's was on the corner buying that land. Well, no wonder you've never eaten one in 20-something <laughs> years. <laughs> um, Ron, getting back to that about taxes mm-hmm. on, on owning investment real estate, what are some of the tax benefits of owning investment real estate? Well, basically, it's depreciation. Describe that to us. Depreciation means even though maybe you're – building is going up in value every year. Uncle Sam says it's going down in value. And so you get to depreciate. Now, if it's a residential property, it doesn't matter if it's a home or a large apartment complex, it's 27 and a half years you can depreciate on the improvements. Improvements mean everything, landscaping, building, et cetera, et cetera, just not the value of the land. You can't depreciate on land. So you get to deduct one twenty-seventh and a half of the value of the roof, for example. Right. And I guess that's in preparation for needing a new roof. Right. In 27 and a half years. Right. The only it, thing is on commercial property, it's 39 years. Hmm. And you might say, well, how do you come up with these weird numbers? Right. If you want to. Especially the 27 and a half. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But anyway. We can tell in a little bit, or you can do it right now, for that matter. Either way, I don't know how much time you have. Okay. Well, well, yeah. Let's go on with that. Uh, but my question is: Is that not considered a tax loophole? To you, uh, should, you know, in my class, what I usually say: Raise of hands. How many you think it's a loophole, and how much you think it's an investment incentive? So that was a good question. Okay. <laughs> anyway, and I'll say: Is a loophole the ones that you? The, you're Democrats. The other ones are Republicans. <laughs> they start laughing all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So, um, but. Uh, can I say that? Democrat, uh, Republican? Well, who knows? Yeah, okay. I, a few years ago, yeah, you could have said it. You know, now, I don't know. <laughs> a wig. No, anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and I'll get into that, too, about whether or not it's a tax loophole. Um, some may consider it that, but it's also a realization that that physical structure is only going to last for so many years. It deteriorates, yes. Yeah. And um, for a 
I have some rental pro, uh, in uh, rental homes, and I know on one of them I just had to spend six thousand dollars on a new air conditioner, um, and uh, here only twenty years earlier I had bought another one for that home. Mm-hmm. So yeah, th- those things do go out. So I I, I understand the depreciation part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. Um, Anyway, all right, let's, I, I want to get back into rents on apartments because that seems to be a hot topic now. Um, people are saying rents are going up. Um, is that the composition of the market that's growing? In other words, are we having higher end apartments coming on the market or is it an individual rental unit that is going up? Basically, it's supply and demand. As vacancy factors go down, that means you can raise the rent. At the same time, when there's more vacancy, then rent becomes more stagnant. Mm-hmm. And I would take it that most uh, housing providers raise the rents, not so much for an individual, uh, but when that individual moves out and there's a new renter that's when they uh, raise it to market is that how that normally works well yes you can uh, because we do have rent control in the state of good old state of california which we just have for the last couple years and in turn it depends on it's like it's a kind of a, a formula shall we say uh and it's based on a certain formula and then depending on the area in fresno it's usually around three percent higher okay yeah and i know that was assembly bill 1482 that went in effect january 1st of 2019 and it said you could raise it five percent plus the cost the cpi right the the consumer price index exactly which puts us around eight percent in Fresno area, different areas, different different. CPI. Oh, okay. Does yes. it go by county or? You know, I I'm not sure about that. Mm-hmm. I I had somebody ask me, where do I find that information? I said, heck, I don't know. Go on the internet, <laughs> try to find it. Okay, uh, so let's let's go to a break right now. I know that was a long segment, but. Um, when we get back, we're going to talk more on investment real estate. Thank you. Did you rejoice for the people who walked from the rubble and sobbed for the ones left below? Did you burst out with pride for the red, white, and blue? Well, welcome back and welcome home radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, along with Ron Stumpf, our guest today. Ron is a uh, commercial and uh multi-unit broker real estate broker here in the fresno area um ron it seems like things are really really changing especially with the pandemic that started a year and a half ago how has commercial real estate changed well basically back when as an example when before i got into real estate uh when i first got out of college i built banks they had to have a bank on every corner almost. It was like fast food restaurants almost. 
Now, a lot of banks have closed. And so now they've been changed in other things, restaurants, um, even real estate offices, uh, all different sorts of things now. Mm -hmm. Because banks are not, you know, now that was before the internet and everything else that we do now online. Yeah, I have noticed that. It's, um, I, I had a tenant ask me, uh, where do I find a Bank of America? Because they needed to go to their ATM and they, they weren't near their home. They were uh, over in another part of town. And, and I couldn't think. I mean, it used to be there was a Bank of America every, everywhere. Well, even downtown here on Van Ness, in two blocks, it usually have three Bank of Americas. I couldn't believe how many Bank of Americas were back there in the 70s. Yeah. And 80s. Yeah. Okay. So the internet um, is causing change because people can do things online as opposed to having to physically go into a building. So is that, what do we do with those old buildings? Well, as an example, I mean, way back when, I mean, you thought Sears was going to be around forever, and they're gone. There's another one that was a competitor even before that, Montgomery Wards. They're mm -hmm. gone. And basically, a lot of those places have changed. You'd be surprised what they have in there now. Um, some of them even changed to mini storages throughout the United States. Some of them have gone in and, and made them smaller for more boutique things. Or some of them live and work spaces where you live there and always you work there too. All different sorts of things that have happened because of that. Hmm. And I have heard that some shopping centers may be turned into residential units um, to help with the housing shortage. Correct. Now, and I could see how that would work as long, but it's it'd be like a big apartment complex. Of course, you got all the parking front um but one large building and i guess they just have to build a lot of i don't want to say cubicles but um smaller units in there mm -hmm. um some of them are even being changed to mini storage places all sorts of things so housing storage uh, is the new needs whereas maybe commercial retail not not as much as before or they just have to develop a different type of niche type of situation where they're you know they combine it mm -hmm. or also like so often you know you can order ahead of time and park your car and they come out with everything that you ordered and of course some of it even has to do with covid nowadays how people don't want to be with a whole bunch of other people necessarily things like that yeah, COVID seemed, or, or the, I'll call it the pandemic, kind of tired of saying COVID, all, although I, I know it's real, but it, it's, um, it's sped up the virtual atmosphere. It, yes. Uh, we used to do all our meetings in person in real estate. Now, so often we do them on Zoom. Um, in fact, I've offered that to my clients. I said, okay, well, when we meet to talk about looking for a new home, uh, do you want to meet by Zoom or do you want to meet in person or at your home or my office? And so in other words, Zoom is a new option for people. Correct. Now, I must admit, I mean, with my class called Making Money in Real Estate in Clovis Adult School, uh, 
I haven't had it for the last two years because of that. Now, of course, our new class is starting up on Tuesday night. Um, unfortunately, for anybody who wants to take that class, it's already filled up. Uh, next one will be in January. So just and give and what's that class called? It's called Making Money in Real Estate, and I've had that since 1981. 92, 82, that class, yes. So give me an elevator pitch. Why should I go to a class called Making Money in Real Estate? Why well, I guess because anybody wants to make money, right? Right, and it's very reasonable. It's only $79 for the class, and it goes for three Tuesdays in a row from 6 to 9 p.m. And what happens about that is, is you're going to learn everything about investing in real estate. I've had people who don't own any real estate, that, and I talk about you know, land, buying land, single-family homes, apartments, commercial, industrial, everything imaginable you could think of. And then uh, also, occasionally, if somebody wants to know more about businesses, sale of businesses, I do that too. The program is more set for what you want, not what I just put together. It's, it's, it's adjusted a lot of times. So it depends on who, what the background of my students are each time. Okay, so you're interactive. Yes. You're, you're not just doing and, and, a presentation. And we're not, not going to be on Zoom or something like that because I'd rather be face-to-face in a sense. Now, I must admit, this class I'm going to suggest that they have masks on just to protect everybody. Uh, can't force them, but yeah. Okay, I, I'm going to give you a great example, and I'm kind of going to poke a little fun at myself here. I just had to take a class on multiple listing service. Now, you would think after all these years, I know a lot about MLS, and I do. Um, it, 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 and it's um, I've even been the chairman of our local MLS. I've sat on a committee at the state and national level. So I know a thing or two about it, but because we were on Zoom and I was taking this test, I finished 33rd, Ron. <laughs> and the embarrassing part is there were only 40 app of 40 people there. But in my defense, it was on Zoom. I was multitasking. Right. And it wasn't giving it my full attention. And it's like, oh, shoot, there's another question. Got to answer it. So... Yeah, Zoom is just not as effective, uh, especially for a guy like me that tends to multitask. I'm a multitasker, too, so I understand exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> All right. So, um, it, it, and the funny part is I told a coworker that, I said, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I finished 33rd out of 40. She said, well, Don, it's because you're used to having that nun standing over you with a yardstick. <laughs> I said, yes, that did cause focus. <laughs> um, with that, we are going to another commercial break, but stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 e- uh, KYNO. Did you notice the sunset the first time in ages to speak to some stranger on the street? Did you lay down at night well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, <laughs> along with Ron Stumpf, our guest, and we're talking about real estate. I'm going to get your forecast here in a second, but I do want to take a moment to reflect on today's date, 9-11, uh, and 20 years ago was that day that brought all of us together. 
I mean, all the Americans were together and it's like, wow, we got to get through this together. And so I hope for that again. Um, Ron, what is your forecast for multi-unit apartments? Uh, where do you see it five years from now? Where do you see it 10 years from now? Well, that's interesting. I wish we had a crystal ball and we'd all be wealthier, okay? Yeah. All I can do is kind of say what I feel maybe will happen. And I must admit, you've gone and I've gone through probably four or five recessions in our time we've been selling real estate. Right. Okay? And uh, so you just never know. You know, things go real great and then not so great. But I'm a type of person who feels no matter when you buy it, as long as you hold it long enough, it's going to go up. And even if you, like, for instance, the worst time that I know of is back in, uh, you know, what was eight, was 2008, um, 9, yeah. 10, those right. areas. <clears throat> but anyway, <clears throat> excuse me, but anyway, what happens is people would, oh, I'm not going to, I'm going to just give it back to the bank, give it back to the bank. I said, can you afford it? Yeah. Don't. You got to ruin your credit mm. and that type of thing. And yeah, it's come back and naturally they can sell their home, their business, their building for more than what they could have, you know, when they were going to give it back. I like now, Or what when you, they bought it even for that matter. I mean, yeah. I like what you say. Give it enough time and it'll work out. That has been what I've seen. Uh, when I bought my first few homes as investments, I swear I, I was buying at the top of the wave, <laughs> mm -hmm. top of the market. And then I'd look back a couple of years later saying, wow, I should have waited and, and, or I should have bought earlier. And I was trying to be a market timer, but I didn't sell any of them. I kept them. And now many of them have gone up four five, six, seven times in value. I know like in March, 2020, as an example, when all the thing, everything was closing up and everything for about two weeks, you don't know how many people called me up and said, I want to buy any of your listings for half price. <laughs> I'm saying, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Oh yeah. Everything's going to go to hell and everything like that. Well, yeah. instead what happened? It went the other went way. Went the other way. How can you predict it? Sure. Yeah. I think almost every real estate agent thought it's going to go down. But it didn't happen because the government stepped in, did certain steps and that type of thing and prevented that. Plus, there was a new appreciation for what a home means. And that's why homes went up because it, it people wanted to buy a home. And I think that happened 20 years ago also after 9-11. People appreciated being home and, and um, that increased the demand for it. They start working from home too. Yeah. Of course. Right. Now, not just that, but apartment values went up. Okay. Uh, also, uh, even industrial buildings, the vacancy factor went way down. That's, I've never seen that this low a vacancy factor in industrial space as it is right now. Why is that? Uh, because there's so many things being distributed as opposed to, you know, they're distributed through. Amazon through this and that, that type of thing, and you still have to have warehouse space for your product. Mm -hmm. So that's how come. 
but right now it's it's very very low. I own I've developed a, num a number of uh, industrial multi-tenant industrial properties, and boy, I've never had so low vacancy ever. So just for fun, I'm going to ask you this question: mm -hmm. If I won the lottery today, and I had some money to invest. And I, I said, I'm doing it in real estate. What part of real estate do you think is the better investment right now? Residential, multiple units, industrial, office building, or retail? Right now, due to vacancy factors, industrial would be that. They're, they're, mm -hmm. It's the lowest vacancy factor out there. Plus, apartments are lowest vacancy factor, too. Yeah, retail is is higher, office is higher, uh, but still we've leased a lot of office space this year, a lot of industrial space, um, you know, retail too for that matter. Mm -hmm. So I can't really say that. You know, people think it that way, but somehow it, and you do see vacancy. Don't get me wrong, but uh, it still happens. And my, I'm going to add to that you need to invest in what you're comfortable in too. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I had a guy many years ago trying to get me to invest in commodities and it's like, I don't know the first thing about that. I, I think I'll invest in real estate. I know something about that. So, um, all right. Where do you see office space? Uh, in five years, do, do you see values, go, the value of a building going up, down? And that's a tough question, but. Well, let's put it I this way. It a, lot of, a lot of people say that, oh, everybody's going to be working at home and everything like that. No. They're going to come back in because, frankly, for the most part, unless there's a few different things, like maybe, um, you know, various things like Apple or something like that, we still do it. But what happens is, as an example, when you call up someplace and you're trying to talk to somebody and you see, hear their screaming kids in the background, mm -hmm. okay, you know that they're at home and it's not working out. Yeah. I know like even like selling a business as an example, it's a bulk sale. Number one, I want them to let you know about this. If you're going to buy a business, always go through escrow because it's like title insurance. When you buy a house, you're guaranteed that you're not inheriting somebody else's debt. In a business, same way. They make sure going through the process that vendors have been paid, in other words, people that you buy product from, things like that. The landlord has, has been paid, everything else. Because I remember as an example, a friend of mine one time, she managed a franchises of um, hamburger, actually it's a root beer place to be exact. So you know which type that is. Anyway, and she ended up, uh, her boss, she was managing him for her boss, and the boss says, hey, I want to retire. Why don't you just buy me out? And she got, inherited some money from her grandmother dying. She did it. Within three months, she found out she was underwater because he forgot to tell about the IRS liens that he had, things like that she absorbed that she had to do, things like that because of, of that. So you, you, with a... You know, escrow, that's safe, okay? And, and same thing in other ways, too. 
Now, I must admit, I got sidetracked on this. So what was your question again? <laughs> no, actually, I, yeah, I actually like that because people wonder, what is escrow? Why do I need title insurance? I had somebody several years ago just extremely upset that title insurance was $1,300. And, boy, I can't tell you the stories of how many times title insurance has saved the buyer or the seller. I recently had one where the buyer who bought in March, closed escrow in March of this year, said, Don, I just got a uh, tax bill, delinquent tax bill from Fresno County for $3,000. And uh, and it was, anyway, it was for the year 2021, 20 and 21. So in other words, that should have been handled in escrow. Come to find out, I looked at the the closing statement. He paid his prorated amount. Turned out the seller had said they already paid their portion, and I guess they didn't, and escrow didn't catch it. But no problem. Yeah. It, it was uh, um, it was paid for. You know, the escrow company stepped up, took care of it. Uh, I don't know if they're going to go back to the seller and say, hey. You you gave us this affidavit that it was paid. I don't know, but it's no problem to the buyer because they have title insurance. One thing I want to mention too at the same time, I know your question was about you know, working from home and that type of thing. Well, basically uh, was what I was going to say was, as an example, when you're selling a business, you have to go, one thing you have to go through is the state to transfer to. And also, especially if you have a beer and wine license or hard liquor license, you have to even go through that too, through ABC, Alcoholic Beverage Commission. And what happens is, is right now, it takes about twice as long in both cases because they're working at home. Yeah, I've seen that. So one last question, if you can give us an answer in 30 seconds or less, what is your best real estate advice? Take my class? No, besides <laughs> that, uh, what I would have to say is, is frankly, it's just one of those situations where I've invested in the stock market, never made a dime. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but you can touch it, you can feel it, you know, uh, you can uh, grow crops on it, you can do whatever you want on it, which you can't with stock market necessarily. So I like that. Real estate is the visible investment. It's not like the dot commerce way back when, as yeah. you recall. All right. Well, Mr. Ron Stump, thank you very much for coming in, sharing your expertise with us today on real estate as an investment. My pleasure. All right. And thank you to all our listeners for tuning in. We'll be back again next Saturday. Take care.